Begin Podfix Network transmission in three, two, one. This is Bewilderbeasts, an infotainment show dedicated to inspiring curiosity for all ages by investigating the ways animals intersect at humanity. I am not a historian, an ethologist, a researcher, a scientist, a zoologist, a trained audio engineer, or an expert in, well, anything. Y'all, I'm lucky if I can remember to put my clean laundry in the dryer before it gets funky. And while I make every effort to present things as accurately as I can with a fun flair, I'm going to mess up. And that's okay. I hope I've given you a nice place to jump off from on your own adventures into curiosity. Or at the very least, I've given you the key to win your next round of trivia. Hello and welcome to Bewilderbeasts. I'm your host, Melissa Mickey McGrath, recording 999 miles from Batcave, North Carolina. Today on Bewilderbeasts, we are discussing how advancements in science help dolphins swim, geese eat, cats walk, and humans run. Are you ready? Let's do this. Hey, everyone. I don't know about you, but we are digging out of back-to-back snowstorms. I moved back to Maine for lots and lots and lots of reasons, but having real winter with real snow was absolutely one of them. However, we were not prepared for all the ice. Because we're closer to the coast, the snow warms up, freezes, warms up, freezes, and then you get rain on top of everything and that freezes. So it's kind of more like an ice rink that looks snowy and that's kind of weird. It's a little dangerous, but I'll take it though. So today's episode was suggested by a super cool listener named Ace. You might have heard about her. She's my kid. Uh, And you might actually hear her because aforementioned snowstorm, kids home. So you're going to hear some banging and that's cool because we have a house and she can run in it. Um, She read a book at school about Winter the Dolphin and came home and told me to look up this cool story about this dolphin with a prosthetic tail. So I did. And as always, followed some very interesting and unique rabbit holes, and found some interesting connections. So thanks, AC. This was a great topic that ended up being way more than I expected. So this is going to be Bewilderbee's first official two-parter of sorts. This week, we'll focus on how we're using prosthetics and advancements in science and the different creatures who have benefited from this technology. Next week will be Winter the Dolphin's story specifically. So If you have any interesting topics, I am particularly putting out a call here for you guys to write in. I'm looking for local animals, like maybe the squirrel that can break through every bird feeder obstacle, the dog that goes to the ice cream truck every day, the cat who follows kids to school. If your town or city has an animal that everyone knows, maybe a bear elected mayor, mayor bear. Anyway, please just send it in. I would love to learn more about some of the local pets and wildlife and how they intersect with humans in your area. Or if you have a unique animal problem in your town, please send it in. I really want to start digging in a little more locally. But without further stalling, let's get into how we build new legs and tails, beaks and more to help animals navigate the world a little easier after injury and how those breakthroughs have gone on to help people all over the world. Dr. 
Noel Fitzpatrick. We like him. He's the first veterinarian surgeon in the entire world to fit two prosthetics to a cat. Not just any prosthetics. These aren't like little wooden peg legs duct taped to the cat. These are legs with like a rod that is put into a drilled hole in the leg bone that fuses the leg and becomes for all intents and purposes a real leg for this cat. You see, Oscar the kitty had a very, very, very bad day and he lost a life or two when he got a little bit too close to a combine harvester. That's that super big tractor-like thing that you see that helps harvest crops like wheat and corn and seeds, etc. in record time. They're super popular in the Midwest. They're really great for farming. They're really bad for farm cats. What's also really bad? Well, because these inventions and innovations haven't been used a lot on pets, the fused limb to a prosthetic technology, humans don't really get to reap those benefits either. Cats and dogs are the perfect testbed for artificial limb technology because they will test artificial limbs to their limits. In the process, the vet profession has learned a lot about what works from implants that fuse to the wearer's bone. Guys, this is like bionic stuff. It's so cool. The other option here is a socket prosthetic. That's the more common one, where a device is fit almost like a socket or a cup to where the amputation occurred. This is then held in place with straps and braces and cushions. It's really hard to get the fit just right, and for some people, the place where the prosthetic is connected can become irritated and very uncomfortable, understandably so. I kept reading that it was almost like wearing a shoe that's one size too small. Quote from Dr. Noel Fitzpatrick, This is dumb. There is not one person running in the Paralympics this year running on an osseo-integrated prosthetic, and I guarantee you that that will not be the case in 20 years' time. I love how unsubtle he is about how he feels about this. So in 2020, a stray cat named Dimka, which means mist in Russian, she suffered from frostbite so devastating that she had to have all four of her paws and her ears amputated. The veterinarians teamed up with the researchers to create four prosthetic limbs for Dimka. Y'all, they used 3D printing. This is something my kiddo is using to make a little car in school this year. And they're using this printer technology to make titanium rods that fit perfectly into her front legs. And then eventually her hind legs. In less than one year after exposure to the cold so bad she lost her paws and massive surgeries to all four limbs, Dimka walks and plays and stretches and attacks fringe on blankets the way that any cat does. And she wasn't the first. In 2016, the same animal clinic called Novosibirsk also helped another cat named Ryzik. It means red in Russian. I'm guessing he was a red cat. In 2015, across the globe from Russia in Sao Paulo, Brazil, a goose was in need of some serious help. She was missing most of her bill. This meant that she couldn't eat at all on her own. When I say she's missing most of her bill, you might be thinking like the top and bottom beak were kind of hacked off at the same point. That's not the case. The photo of this beak is wild. Her lower beak seems to be completely intact, but the top part of the beak is totally gone and her little tongue was completely unprotected. She had to rely fully on human volunteers to feed her baby food and then the bird would always just be dependent on humans. This is not sustainable. This is not ideal for a wild animal. Even in captivity, the goal is to always have animals be as wild as possible. This was not great. 
So the rescue center where this goose was gumming down on Gerber threw a Hail Mary pass. They reached out to Dr. Paolo Miyamato. He was a dentist who had a reputation for helping people with three-dimensional facial and dental reconstruction. Let's say you're in a horrible car accident and you needed facial reconstruction and dental reconstruction. Dr. Miyamato is your guy. Dr. Miyamato just doesn't help people after trauma. He is also part of a super cool group called the Animal Avengers. I know, so cool, right? So he might be the Iron Man, or maybe rather Titanium Man? The Animal Avengers are a group of all volunteers, they do not get paid for this work, who happen to be veterinarians, three-dimensional modeling experts, engineers, and Dr. Miyamoto, the dentist. Together with their powers combined, they make and customize prosthetics for animals using 3D printers. As this was a newish technology at the time, the first beak for the goose, named at this point Vittoria, the beak was made a little too big, or like a shoe or a boot that just might be a little too big. It was quite uncomfortable for the goose, and it eventually fell off. And when it fell off, it exposed her injury, which meant she couldn't eat again at all, and she was at risk of re-injuring the tongue and everything. So the Avengers assembled for the sequel, and they made another bill. You would think that this would be cost prohibitive, but if you happen to have a three-dimensional printer, open source software, and a cell phone for photos, you're golden. While it would be tempting to just play around and give the goose a rainbow-colored beak because ya can, this could actually backfire spectacularly. The example given in the National Geographic article I read on this said if you give a toucan a white beak, it might be rejected by other toucans, so it has to be orange. Noted. So the second prosthetic for Vittoria worked like a charm. Vittoria is actually back in the wild and went off to raise hatchlings soon after. Oh, I love a good love story. So the Animal Avengers also teamed up to help Freddy. So Freddy was a female tortoise who was found with 85% of her shell burned and injured in a forest fire. So how did she get the name Freddy? Well, the Avengers said that she looked like Freddy Krueger, she was so badly injured. She had also survived pneumonia and 45 days without food before the superheroes had found her. Here's how they eventually helped her. The designers got to work by designing a shell based on other tortoise shells, and then they measured specifically to Fred. Then each layer was printed with that 3D printer, which reminds me of an old DOS printer. Anyway, they can use corn-based plastic to recreate four pieces that would be put together for the easiest puzzle of all time. And voila! But each of the four pieces took 50 hours to print. And to make sure that this was going to be a substantial enough shell to do the job to protect Freddy and keep her safe, they also recruited an honorary Avenger for this particular task. This was an artist who could hand paint the shell so Freddy could just blend in like a normal tortoise. She's not really one for sticking out. As it is, she's got a lot of attention for having the world's first 3D printed shell. And according to Science Alert, the material cost for 3D printing is only $136 for a kilogram. So that's $136 for about the same weight as a liter of water, two and a half American footballs, or three cans of soup. That might seem like $136 for three cans of soup is a whole lot of money, but it's what you can do with this substance that is infinitely remarkable. Goose beaks, tortoise shells, race cars, some people 3D print, and I don't want to get sued, so I'll just say generic interlocking bricks. 
everything is awesome. All of it. You can truly do remarkable creative things with this material. We saw an entire car at the Museum of Science that had been three-dimensionally printed. A whole car. And my favorite earrings are 3D printed. They're super lightweight, they have bright colors, and they're dangly. They're fun. They're cute. So 10 years ago, animals like Vittoria and Dimka and Freddy, they likely would have been euthanized because a humane death was better than suffering. But with these limbs and beaks and fins and flippers and trunks and feet and all of it, even a Komodo dragon named Smaug was fit for a prosthetic device. He was not using his right front foot the way that right front feet are supposed to be used. Instead, and this sounds quite painful because it probably was, Smaug would flip over his right front foot and walk on the top of his toes and wrist. This would be like you walking on all fours like a dog, but then each time you put your right hand forward, you just flip it over and walk on top of your hand, the part that you would absolutely not walk on. And since Smaug was 200 pounds, he was walking on top of his wrist every time he took a step, which is unsustainable. Smaug eventually got infections from walking improperly, and it just was all around bad. The challenges you wouldn't think about until you are designing a device for a Komodo dragon, like scales instead of skin. How does that interact with this device? Also, Komodo dragon's legs don't work the same way as, say, horse legs. How does its movement affect the way that you design a new prosthetic? All of these questions have to be answered before you can go on and help animals live relatively normal lives while also advancing science to help humans who might also need these devices too. See, we humans use our bodies in remarkable ways. The Olympics are on right now. If you have any questions as to the capacity of what the human body can do, tune on the Olympics. Concepts like biomimicry are important here. They take the best designs of evolution in the animal world and adapt them for human use. So think of a prosthetic leg for rock climbers. These could be modeled on a mountain goat's leg. Someone rock climbing might need a different kind of prosthetic leg than, say, a runner. A runner might also need a different leg for going to the grocery store compared to sprinting down a racetrack or running the Boston Marathon. In fact, when we watched the Boston Marathon the year after the bombing, we saw several runners with prosthetic legs tackling Heartbreak Hill. This is often cited as the most difficult part of the race. Different prosthetics do different things. I wouldn't go running a marathon in high heels. Well, to be fair, I also probably wouldn't be running a marathon, so those who do, hat tip to you. You would likely want sneakers, and running prosthetics look different for different tasks. So by going back to our old friend biomimicry, where we take ideas from evolution and animals to make things for humans, we can figure out exactly how mountain goats use their limbs to affect how to design the best artificial limbs for rock climbers. I mean, if millions of years of goading has created a fantastic ability to freaky-deaky goats on rock faces or standing nonchalantly in trees, we could 1000% use these concepts to make artificial limbs for efficient and specialized use for humans. By looking at biomimicry for humans, we can also construct specialized limbs for the animals who inspire the human versions too, like a tail for a dolphin caught in a trap, which we will talk about next week, or kangaroo burned by fire. And remember Dr. Nicholas from the beginning, the veterinarian who said that there were no para-Olympians using newer prosthetic technology that year in the Olympics? While there have been direct bone to prosthetic implants for decades, so think dental surgery, right? A fake tooth grafted directly onto bone? 
We now have technology that is a little bit more bionic, and we can thank a guy named Max Ortiz Catalan, who lived in Sweden. Doctors were able to attach electrodes to muscles using Max's technology to make it possible for humans to move artificial limbs with their mind and muscle memory. These technologies to integrate artificial limbs and structures directly to the bones and muscles and have the body accept the limb as an extension of the body, this can greatly improve a human's quality of life. It's not easy. It's not a one quick easy surgery and bam, you're all done. But it is an option for many people who can afford it or come up with the means of getting these superbionic limbs surgically attached. The months of rehabilitation and physical therapy, and in some cases, even having to get the money to fly to another country out of pocket to get these game-changing surgeries for many is worth it. And while we can only ask the humans how things have improved, we can't ask the animals if they feel better after surgery or medicine or therapies, any of it. But what we can do is observe the effects of them running around and playing and stretching and walking and just behaving in ways that they would if they hadn't suffered the loss of these limbs. And until we can come up with a talking collar that really actually works, we haven't. That's all that we have to go on. And I think for many of these animals who have received osseointegration surgeries or prosthetics of one kind or another, particularly the cats, watching them knock something off a counter for fun and just kind of casually walking away is all the proof you need. They're doing fine. Next week, we will do a deep dive, as it were, to visit one dolphin in particular who has benefited from a socket-style removable prosthetic. This was a baby dolphin named Winter, the dolphin who lost her tail in a crab trap who went on to save the Wildlife Rehabilitation Center that saved her, while she also gave hope to millions of kids around the globe. So stay tuned for next week. Thanks, y'all, for joining me today on Bewilderbeasts. You know the drill by now, just check out the Patreon. This month will be a gaggle of hilarious animal escape artists, including an orangutan who kept getting out of his cage, only to taunt the other male orangutan in the zoo. <laughs> you would think that they just would have fixed his enclosure. He just kept getting out and tormenting this other orangutan. <laughs> oh, the 80s. So if that sounds like fun, join the Patreon at any level and get access to every episode on that feed. And thank you, Patreon supporters. Y'all are the bee's knees. And in the words of Squirrely Dan of Letterkenny, I appreciate yous. If you have ideas for the show, or if you've read a cool book about an incredible animal or a human helping an animal, please send it in. Here's how you can do it. Yes, you. Email bewilderbeastpod at gmail.com. Tweet at bewilderedpod or go to the website, bewilderbeastpod.com. There, you can even record a little message or send a note, anything at all, and listen to every episode there on the free feed. There are over 60 episodes to choose from, and in the first year, there were three animals per episode, so there's a lot of animal stuff there. So go enjoy. I'm Melissa McKee McGrath with Mud Stuff Media. Now, as I say each week and I mean it, go get curious. I got today's information from WashingtonPost.com, Discovery.com, NationalGeographic.com, Futurism.com, Britannica.com, Science Daily, Wikipedia, InsideEdition.com, and 
some really cool videos on YouTube about our little friend, Freddie the tortoise. Don't call her a turtle. There are lots of incredible photos and videos in those links that I just mentioned. So check out the Twitter and the website for those sources directly. The tortoise 3D printing and the cat limbs are just incredible feats of science and tech and human compassion. Intro and outro music is Tiptoe Out the Back by Dan Leibowitz. Interstitial music is by MK2. All additional music and sound effects and everything is found at pixabayandfreesound.org. Feel free to please share with your curious friends. Tell them something cool that you learned today. Tell your teacher, whoever, it's the best way to support this little show. All right, that's it for now. Thanks so much for listening, and I'll see you next week. You've been listening to a podcast of the Podfix Network. Discover more audible gems like this at podfixnetwork.com. Make sure to catch up-to-the-minute network shenanigans by following at podfix on Twitter, official underscore podfix on Instagram, at podfixnetwork on Facebook. And make sure to subscribe to Podfix Presents wherever you choose to find podcasts. The Podfix Network, artist owned and loved.